Pastor Xavier Reese and the inevitability of divine accountability. He says everyone that is proud in heart is an abomination to the Lord. Though hand join in hand, he shall not be unpunished. You see, man thinks he's really slick and conniving and he can weasel his way through everything. And he's pretty successful at times. But the Bible says your sin will find you out sooner or later. There is a payday. Some pay now, some pay later. But each man pays. Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. Today, with little effort, you're able to look up whatever your favorite athlete, celebrity, or politician has to say about a certain issue. Or you can seek true wisdom, the kind of wisdom that only comes from above. And the good news is it's accessible to you simply by opening up the Word of God. Let's join our teacher, Pastor Xavier, for another look at the simple truths in the book of Proverbs, beginning with chapter 16. I hope after you've gone through the studies each time in the Proverbs, as well as any other study, is that you go home and you lift it to the Lord, that you don't just take it in and and tuck it away on a shelf and, and that's all, but that you might lift it up to the Lord that He might show you even greater things and deeper things and, and in different ways necessary for your specific life and your situations. It's so important. How many things that we collect in the world and we just hang them up and they just sit there collecting dust? And I'm afraid that that's how it is in the life of the Spirit many times. We take things and we hang them up and they collect dust. And there really is no true benefit of them many times. So the Proverbs are really important for just living in wisdom and in knowledge for the Lord. Uh, especially when we're young, we're, we're experiencing everything for the first time, or we're out there and within the area of life where things are tugging at us and, and that warfare is intensified to a great degree, number one, because we are young, we are vulnerable, number two, uh, because uh, sometimes we don't want to pay attention. And that's a bad combination. And um, after a man or a woman lives a, a lot longer and they have experience behind them, at least they allow that experience to become wisdom. But God would have us to have both benefits, the experience uh, and the wisdom of that natural experience as well as the wisdom that comes from God, from above. And um, we don't need to experience anything. All we need to obedient, be obedient to the Lord and receive that benefit through obedience. So the Proverbs are great. Chapter 16, verse 1 says, The preparations of the heart in a man... And the answer of the tongue is from the Lord. What amazes me in my life as I give my life to the Lord is that I know who Xavier really is. I know what Xavier has experienced, uh, what he has exposed himself to. And the miracle continually in my life is the amazement that in spite of who I was and in spite of my sinful flesh, which is in me I can't it's in every one of us it never gets eradicated that in spite of that that as I prepare my heart in the Lord I am amazed at what things God brings forth from the tongue many times as I teach I sit here and I you know I say well Lord this and that and I, you know and, and, and some of the things that the Lord brings out you know the reason I don't let my eyes bug out is you think that I'm crazy or something but I'm, I'm amazed at some of the things that God allows to come through me sometimes. 
And it's neat. Sometimes you guys sit there and you say, boy, man, boy, you really minister to me. I get ministered to many times. I mean, you know, as long as we open the Lord, and no matter who we are or what we are, if we meditate upon the Lord and if we give ourselves to the Lord, we will be amazed at the things that God will bring forth through us because it's of the Lord, the preparation. We're to meditate upon the Word day and night. We're to be open to what He has. Psalm 37, 23 says, The steps of a good man are ordered of the Lord. We've gone over the proverb in, in chapter 3, verse 6, and He says that we acknowledge Him in all our way, He will direct our paths. I don't always know everything in my life. I don't always know when to turn left, when to turn right, when to stop, when to keep going. And sometimes I just, you know, I'll, I'll, and myself really won't know what God's will is. And before I know it, I walk through it, and I'm through it all the way, and I look back and go, hey, that was God's will. But I realize that I really don't have control of my life. This is what the Proverbs is speaking about. You see, God honors our heart. And if we really meditate upon the Lord and we give ourselves to the Word, even though we may not be able to put our finger on something at that time, if we really lift our heart to the Lord and we judge things by the Word of God and we take step by step as we go through it or we step into whatever it is, God will reveal to us and He'll show us that He is in it. But I don't always know before it. I don't always know before it. There's no easy way. It doesn't get any easier. I used to think, well, when I'm in the Lord, 10, 15, you know, I mean, you know, we all call Him out. Uh-uh. <laughs> you don't. And any pastor or Christian that says so, don't believe Him. We walk by faith, not by sight. And our faith has to go along with the Word of God. And if I'm obedient to the Word of God, I've got God's guarantee. He's in it. But I have to make sure I check it to the Word. Now in verse 2, he says, All the ways of a man are clean in his own eyes, but the Lord weighs the Spirit. Okay, this is interesting because uh, we have so many different philosophies today and opinions. Everybody's an authority in themselves. And yet God weighs the Spirit. What kind of spirit is it coming from? Many people feel that abortion is justifiable. Many people feel that you can do whatever you want with your body. Many people feel that their rights are more important than other things. And yet whatever action we take, God weighs the spirit. Not what we feel. Not what I think. But he looks at my heart and he sees the intent and the motive behind that. Verse 3 says, Commit thy works unto the Lord, and thy thoughts shall be established. That's a promise. The Lord hath made all things for himself, yea, even the wicked... For the day of evil. Now, some of the things that we read in the Bible, we have a hard time understanding them when it comes to a relationship of evil in association with God. There's a scripture in um, Isaiah 45, 7, I believe, where it says, I am the Lord, I created the good and the evil. I created good and evil. What do the scriptures mean when evil is associated with God? Well, first of all, we know that God is... The creator of all. He created everything. He created Satan, Lucifer. But God also gave free will. Evil comes from choice, not from God. But God is directly responsible for everything that exists. But when that part of creation chooses to separate himself or herself, or in the case of Satan, the angelic being apart from God, then we cannot conclude that God is responsible for the evil. The individual is responsible for the evil. God is responsible for the creation of the individual. 
So we have to be careful what we conclude or what people would want to conclude when we come to Scripture such as this. For he says, The Lord made all things in himself, yea, even the wicked, for the day of evil. Now this doesn't mean that God created a certain man that in the day of judgment he might just have a feast day and say, Okay, toss him in. You know? No. Matthew 25, 41 says that hell was made for no one but Satan and his angels. That means that God never intended one human being to go to hell, yet we know there will be many in hell. But those individuals will be there by choice. Yes, they are related to God in terms of creation, but God is not responsible for their choice of evil. And God respects that choice. I mean, if it's going to be a choice, you've got to respect the choice. You wouldn't dare call your kid into the kitchen and say, what do you want, milk or chocolate milk? Choose. He says, I want chocolate milk, you can't have it. Well, that's not a choice then. God respects your choice. Now, that's scary. You know that? (laughs) That's scary. In the book of Exodus and Leviticus, we see the children of Israel murmuring through the wilderness many times. And one time they were murmuring about flesh. Oh, we're sick of this manna. Manna, manna, manna. We want something we can get our teeth into. He says, okay, I'll give you some quail. Gave them quail. They started chomping on it. God got mad. (laughs) with the rebellion and everything, even while it was in their teeth, he let a plague go among them. Do you know what that says? That if you keep insisting on your own will long enough, God may just let you have it. And you know what your will will usually do? Consume you. Your fleshly desires will consume you. Totally. It's a beautiful picture. God's will is best for my life. I don't always like it. I don't always know that it's really what God wants for me. But that's why I give my life to him. Because he does know what's right and what's best for my life. So here the association with the evil is not in terms of creating a specific person for that day, but that there will be people in that day because of their choice. Paul picks it up in Romans ten seventeen about Pharaoh, that God, um, you know, Pharaoh was a vessel of, uh, for destruction. But see, God can only foretell of things before they happen Because he's God. He has foreknowledge. That's something you and I don't have. We try to put that in our BB brain and we blow fuses. Because we start rationalizing. Well, if God knew this and he knew that, you know, we can't understand God. He's he's transcendent. He's beyond our finding out. Paul picks that up in Corinthians when we went through it in chapter 1 and 2. He says, hey, you guys can't mix Christianity with philosophy. You guys can't bring God down to a human level and try to understand him and, 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 and dissect him. He says, no man can come to know God by human reasoning or philosophy. For if they had, why did the princes of this world crucify God? He says, I has not seen, ear has not heard, neither has it entered the heart of man the things that God has prepared for those that love him. Then he says, we have not received the spirit of the world, but the spirit of God. That we might receive those things freely of him. And then at the end of the chapter he says, you have the mind of Christ. I can know nothing apart from the Holy Spirit about God. Even as he is transcendent beyond our finding out, he condescends down to our level and the level of the Spirit as we become his. That's heavy. And there are even some things about God we will never know. In Deuteronomy 29, 29 says the secret things belong unto God. And those things that reveals to us, they're ours. <laughs> There's some things that probably we're way off the wall. Oh, God, doesn't, you know, we get up, there, he's going to laugh. I mean, does God really have two eyes? Does God need eyes? Does he need legs to get around? He might have ten. We don't know. God is the Spirit. And those that worship Him must worship Him in spirit and in truth. Verse 5, he says, Everyone that is proud in heart, 
is an abomination to the Lord. Though hand join in hand, he shall not be unpunished. Pride is one of the greatest abominations that's picked out through the scriptures over and over again. Pride goes before destruction and a honey spirit before the fall. And though pride is in every man's heart, because none of us is exempt from it, Christians included, we have to guard our heart against that pride. And pride comes in many different labels, I've said many times. And yet it is the quickest thing that will cause us to be put on the shelf. It is the surest thing that will put us on the shelf, pride. And there are men that are so proudful and their hearts are so abominable to the Lord and they are such connivers that they try to manipulate their way around. And it says here, even though that proud man joins hand in hand with someone that can try to stand up for him or cover his mess or whatever it is, it says that he will not go unpunished. It reminds me of Adonijah who tried to receive Abishag the Shuamite for his wife through Bathsheba. He had just gotten in trouble with Solomon because he tried to make himself king when King David was dying. And then David called out for Solomon to be placed on his mule and to be crowned king. And Solomon was very gracious. He allowed him to live. He just told him, watch your step. One day he came to Bathsheba. He says, why don't you plead for me for Abishag the Shuamite. I want her to wife. But if you ask Solomon, he'll give her to me. She went before Solomon and says, Hey, why don't you give Adonijah, Abishag the Shuamite, for wife? He says, Surely he has spoken this to his hurt. He had him wiped out. You see, man thinks he's really slick and conniving and he can weasel his way through everything. And he's pretty successful at times. But the Bible says your sin will find you out sooner or later. There is a payday. There is a checkout point. But see, the world always tells us, Nah, man, you can do it. Each man will pay. Some pay now, some pay later. But each man pays. Verse 60 says, By mercy and truth, iniquity is purged. And by the fear of the Lord, men depart from evil. So there we have a beautiful proverb on how we're to be purged. And the result is that men depart from evil. Verse 7, he says, When a man's ways please the Lord, he maketh even his enemies to be at peace with him. I think Paul is a classic example of this. That even though Paul was a thorn in the side of the Jews and a problem to Rome because the Jews were always after him and Rome had to protect them, that even though Rome did not really like to get involved in religious matters of the Jews, uh, God allowed Rome to be at peace with Paul and be his protector many times. <laughs> Wherever he went when he was put on the ship to go to Jerusalem, I mean to Rome. I mean, they treated him like better than a slave. When everybody was going to jump off the boat and they were going to kill the slaves, they didn't kill him because they wanted to make sure they could keep Paul. I mean, God's favor was upon Paul in every way. And so likewise, the man that walks in the ways of the Lord to please the Lord, you know, even the people that dislike us, even the people that kind of just don't want to hear out, God will put us in positions many times when they will even be at peace with us and we'll blow our mind about it. He says, Better is a little with righteousness than great revenues without right. Pretty simple there, you know. A lot of times in the world, we're in the world, we try to get rich through many different ways. Well, you know, I'll go midnight auto and steal all these rims and 
trances and radios and everything else, and I'll sell them, and I'll get all kinds of bucks, and, you know, I'll do this, I'll give me, you know, some weed, some coke, and I'll resell it, and I'll cut it, and, you know, and you're going to get a lot of bucks. But look what it says there. Better is a little with righteousness than great revenues without right. Not only is it abominable before the Lord, but there are consequences that are terrible. A man's heart devises his way, but the Lord directed his steps. This goes again to the prophet that we first read there. God is in control of my life. A divine sentence is in the lips of the king. His mouth transgresseth not in judgment. Now this speaks about a king that is totally sold out to the Lord. One that loves the Lord. One that is guiding his life by the word of God. And, and as a matter of fact, in the book of Deuteronomy, the counsel of Moses to the king and they didn't have a king then, but he was actually speaking in terms of prophecy. He says, when you guys have a king, make sure that he makes himself a copy of the law, that he might meditate upon it day and night, that he doesn't go to the left nor to the right, but walks with God, that he doesn't uplift himself above his brother, that he doesn't become proudful, that he judge righteously. And he gives all the reasons why a king is to meditate upon the word day and night. So it speaks about that king that gives divine sentence, that which is godly. And his mouth transgresses not in judgment because it's based upon the word. Verse 11 says, A just weight and balances are the Lord's. All the weights of the bag are his work. So here it's over. We get this proverb in many different fashions. God likes honesty. Verse 12, he says, It is an abomination to kings to commit wickedness, for the throne is established by righteousness. We see this through much of the prophets that it is God that sets up kings and God that takes down kings. And yet here the proverb, it says that it is an abomination for the kings to commit wickedness, for the throne is established by righteousness. God would desire that godly men sit on thrones. God would desire that men would depend upon him. And yet we know that God allows certain men to sit on certain thrones. Yet he could remove them, yet he knows that Satan is the prince and the power of the air. And it is by his counsel that many of the nations are deceived. Daniel tells us that. And that's why we see such animosity towards anything to do with Christ or the Bible throughout the world. I think our very nation is a perfect example of this. I think it's only God's grace that nothing has happened to the United States. It isn't because our military might. It's only God's grace. Verse 13, he says, Righteous lips are the delight of kings, and they love him that speaketh right. He's speaking about that godly man that brings forth from his lips that which is embedded in his heart, the word of God. And they love him that speaketh right, because it's all truth. The wrath of a king is a messenger of death. It's as a messenger of death. But a wise man will pacify it. In other words, when a king's angry, he has power to destroy, to give commands that would not be favorable to an individual, but a wise man will pacify it. He's not going to be belligerent and say, hey, you can't do that. <laughs> In other words, we're to respect authority and be wise. In the light of the king's countenance is life, and his favor is as a cloud of latter rain. In other words, if you're in favor, in the favor of the king or someone in the position of authority, then you have protection and provisions within that. 
How much better is it to get wisdom than gold and to get understanding rather than to be chosen than silver? Again here, that which is of God is continually compared to that which is of man or labeled by man in terms of valuable. The true value is that which is spiritual, that which is eternal, not that which, that which is temporal, which is only here for a little while. The highway of the upright is to depart from evil. He that keepeth his way preserveth his soul. Obedience leads to preservation. That's basically what it's saying here in verse 17. Verse 18 says, Pride goes before destruction and a honey spirit before a fall. I think we see this much in the world today. I cannot believe how much pride is really manifested today in everything. I mean, baseball, I mean, all the sports, there is just so much pride and vainglory. And because of that, there's also violence associated. Do you know that violence always follows pride? I cannot believe how much violence there is in every professional athletic game. I remember, and I'm not that old, when I used to watch baseball, the baseball games, the pennant and everything else, I would never see a batter go after the pitcher with the bat. I would never see somebody fighting. Today, that's what they're hoping will happen in the game because of pride. There's that demand for flashiness, for boasting of oneself. This Proverbs speaks right at that. Verse 19 says, Better is to be of a humble spirit with the lowly than to divide the spoil with the proud. Okay, so he's contrasting the humble with the proud. It's better to have nothing and to be with nobodies than to have a lot and be with somebodies who think there's something and they're really nobodies. Verse 20, He that handleth a matter wisely shall find good, and whoso trusted in the Lord, happy is he. I think Joseph is a classic example of this because he handled matters wisely and he trusted in God. The result became a source of joy and happiness in his life because he found favor everywhere he went. And I think that we as Christians should be the first to think things through. I think many times we start dealing in the matters of our life, even in buying a home or buying a car or we're going to make an investment or whatever it is, and we don't think it through with the wisdom of God, but we approach that with the wisdom of man. And I think that we add to our hurt many times. You know, we handle a matter wisely. We're going to find good in it. But if we really don't think it through and lift it up in prayer and ask of the Lord, then we get ourselves into those messes and then we cry out to God. Verse 21 says, A wise in heart shall be called prudent, and the sweetness of the lips increaseth learning. So here the proverb speaks of a wise heart will bring about a reputation of prudence, discretion. But take note that you first of all have to have the desire to have a wise heart. It doesn't just happen. You have to cultivate it. And one thing we don't like is to put time into things. We want instant success. We want instant spirituality. We want instant knowledge. I look at the men of old in the Old Testament. They walk with God. Years. Jacob was brought before Pharaoh. He says, a hundred and so many years have been. Few and evil have been the days of my sojourning. They have not attained to the days of my father. <laughs> How would you like to walk with God a hundred and some years? And at the end of them coming and saying, Few and evil the days of my sojourning has been. Pastor Xavier Reese and the time-tested simple truths for wise living. 
And you can hear this message again anytime online by simply selecting today's date at the radio listings link you'll find at calvarychapelpasadena.com. But there's much more to come right here next time as well. Now, if your schedule won't permit you to tune in, though, you can pick up your own personal copy of this message. The title to ask for is Proverbs chapter 16 through 18. It's available on CD for only $4. And make sure you share these truths by passing on this study to someone in your church or Bible study once you are through. Once again, the title to ask for is Proverbs chapter 16 through 18. Or simply mention today's date. You can request your copy by writing Simple Truths. 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Or to make your request by phone, call 800-926-1485. Again, that's 800-926-1485. Or the address once again is Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. And thanks for mentioning the call letters of this station when you get in touch. This helps us track the effectiveness of this ministry in your area. And then join us for more Simple Truths right here next time with Pastor Xavier Reese. Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese, a daily half-hour broadcast, is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. www.calvarychapelpasadena.com